Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here today with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. So it's a Brother, Brother podcast. Today, we're talking about Guided by Voices. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now let's talk Guided by Voices. Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, I'm Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori, so it's a Brother, Brother pod. But uh, today we're talking GBV, which um, frankly is a subject that really is reserved for me and Jeremy in this case, uh, Christian being kind of an outlier and, and not as uh, enthusiastic uh, about their output as we are. But uh, speaking of output, uh, GBV just celebrated, or Robert Pollard just celebrated his 100th release, and... Um, Oh, wait, wait, when make that 101. Oh, sorry, 101. <laughs> we just had, we just yeah, had a double think, album drop. I think the, the odometer month. just went up by one as we were speaking. But yeah, they, uh, they put out How Do You Spell Heaven um, very recently and August by Cake, a double album. Maybe their first double album. No, they, had, they may have had a couple of doubles and triples in there somewhere. I don't know. Um, but between Robert Pollard's solo stuff, uh, stuff like the Boston Spaceships and some of his side projects... Um, there are now he's now up to a hundred, which uh, is pretty predictable given uh, his the frequency with which he puts out uh, records. But uh, how, you know we're going to talk uh, mostly about the two albums that we care most deeply about, uh, which is B Thousand and Alien Lanes. And I think most GBV fans sort of uh, you know to most fans of the band, uh, those two are the apex, and everything else is sort of ranked um, accordingly uh, beneath that. But um, you know, Jerry, how did you how did you get into GBV? Yeah, so <laughs> you know, the nice thing about having a music pod now is we get to talk about things we love, and, and uh, you know, B Thousand and Alien Lanes are, are certainly special albums for Win and I. B Thousand being kind of the the first album I think a lot of people got into by Got It by Voices. Um, you know, little did we know at the time they I think they had like maybe seven or ten albums prior to to um, B Thousand, and and you know, it really started in the late eighties. And, you know, funny enough, like, this was back in in 94, and so, you know, I got into them kind of how I got into a lot of bands, like, either through friends, through you, or reading uh, magazines like Spin and and some other, uh, you know, sort of... Um, alternative press, yeah, alternative spin. press, fanzines, things, things of that nature, and you know, I, I read a little. I think it was Jim Greer. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah, Jim Greer was. Yeah, also became, played with them. Right? Yeah, he became part of the. He went to do a story on them, and then ultimately became their bass player for uh, a brief period. So um, that, in and of itself, uh, gives you some indication of um, the guided by Vo- voices story. It's it's a little bit uh, haphazard and. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, refrain, come on, come on, the club is open, is kind of, uh, you know, all inviting. Uh, a, a hop on the bus <laughs> kind of an in, invite. Grab a beer from the ice bucket on stage. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it may have been him that wrote this, but I remember vividly reading in Spin, and, and the description was, you know, it was a little blurb. They didn't even get kind of a full album review, but it was sort of things that are hot or hot takes. And, 
Um, the take was that, you know, Guided by Voices, an Ohio band, imagine the Beatles as a drunk softball team from Ohio. And I was like, I've got to hear that. I'm in. <laughs> so yeah. I uh, found my way to uh, Scotty's Records by Drew University in New Jersey and, and found a copy of B-1000. And, you know, this was around the time we've talked about many times on this pod where, you know, Wyndham really kind of gave me my sort of starter kit of, of alternative rock, college rock, and and punk rock and, and got me into, you know, kind of this obsession of music. This is one of those ones that sort of flipped the script. And I, I remember taking this album back and, and popping it on my, my disc man Walkman at the time. And, and, uh, you know, it was funny. We were, before the pod, we were just sort of chatting. It was like something really like archaic and kind of raw. Well, it is very raw. I mean, it's a four track recording, um, literally recorded, I think in, in the guy's garage or laundry room. Um, but there was something really sort of like down to the bare bones, of melody and pop and and these very 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 short songs i mean the album you know is you know to a lot their favorite you know it's my favorite guy by voices album you know we joke about alien lanes and, and b thousand being you know sort of two of the same both great but you know kicking off with hardcore ufos which is a minute and 50 seconds long into buzzards and dreadful crows into tractor rape chain into gold heart mountain top queen yeah. directory i mean it's it's sort of like this rapid fire of of raw four-track melody that I just hadn't heard in a long... You know, I hadn't heard ever, but it was familiar at the same time. It had Essence of the Beatles and the Kinks and, and sort of the power pop of the Midwest, yeah. And and, and Dwight Twilly and and the Raspberries and, and, you know, Big Star and everything else that, you know, sort of came before it. And it's, it's amazing what a sort of, uh, I guess, a refractor or prism Robert Pollard is for other, you know, for classic tunes because he he doesn't, you know, again, you know, you know it's a GBV song. It's not like, oh, this sounds like the Beatles, but it's got every, you can trace the DNA of, of a, you know, virtually every song he's ever written um, back to his love of the British invasion. Missing things like guitar solos and sort of excessively long songs, Bloat. feedback. Yeah, it's real, I mean, it really is kind of like caveman pop music. And uh, I think, you know, then all of a sudden the story started to sort of like come out because, we, you know, I, I first of all, I think called you right away. You were probably in college. No, you weren't in college. You were in New York City, maybe 1994. Yeah. And uh, said, you got to you got to you got to hear this. This is like nothing I'd heard before. I think you loved it right away. And, and, you know, we started to learn about this guy. And at the time, what seemed to be sort of ancient, I mean, these guys were in their 30s. They were, you know... Yeah, they, were in, they were in their late 30s, very yeah, much. Yeah, late 30s. 40, he was which... a 
school teacher in, in Dayton, Ohio, and this was really literally his drinking buddies, his brother, Jim Pollard, what, what are people now refer to as sort of the classic lineup, Tobin Sprout, who, who wrote some of the songs, Mitch Mitchell, Jim McPherson. Um, I'm probably leaving somebody out. Greg Demos. Greg Demos, yeah, thank you. And and th- that was sort of this original lineup, and they would, you know, I think Robert Pollard would hum out these songs, strum them on a guitar, They'd gather around and make these sort of like really archaic lo-fi recordings. Um, and at the time, lo-fi music was out. People like, you know, Lou Barlow was doing a lot of lo-fi stuff with Sabado. And, and, you know, but in between his gems would be lots of kind of just tape feedback and noise. And, and well, like, I also I mean, think for Lou, you know, coming out of Dinosaur, lo-fi was a choice. I mean, I right. actually, you know, I mean, obviously our, our good friend Paul McNamara uh, engineered uh, those early Sebado records, and Paul is a, is a very, very talented uh, pianist and musician and producer, and, and uh, we, uh, you know, it was very funny for me, because I knew Paul around then, I used to hang around his recording studio in Amherst, and, you know, he was like, I can't believe they're putting my name on this record, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like Sebado 3, and, uh, uh, beat your head the, on the punk rock, yeah, or is it, yeah. bang your head on the punk bang, rock, yeah. it, was, it was like, you know, he's like, I can't, he's like, this is, so antithetical to everything I, I like. He's like, give me a fucking Rick Wakeman, you know, organ solo and I'll, <laughs> and I'll be happy. And he's like, you know, he's engineering Sebado records. It was funny. Yeah, um, and I think with these guys, it literally was all they had. But they, they're just sort of like, our Pollard's in particular passion for melody, you know, just completely shine through. And, and also great lyrics. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, songs like Kicker of Elves, Hot <laughs> Freaks, um, I am a scientist, you know, just put together a wordplay that was really... It was really, absurdist and, yeah. you know, sort of owed a little bit to like this Russell Edson, um, you know, Charles Simic school of poetry. Uh, I don't know if he was uh, into those guys or whether he just, you know, ha- you know, happened to sort of share their love of absurdism, but there was something to it. And then you read the stories and, and I mean, it made it even more... Um, amusing when you when you know when you heard about Pollard and then you saw him and you realized that he and his brother were both star athletes. He uh, actually threw a no hitter in college. His brother was a point guard at Arizona State. So I mean, it was like even crazier. The more you found out, the you know the crazier the story got. You know, here's this you know married thirty eight year old you know elementary school teacher from Dayton having his classroom color album covers <laughs> and. Uh, you know, and, this is a, all of his fantasy, but he basically willed it to come true. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. It really was like a rock and roll fantasy, and this guy was obsessed with The Who and, and sort of some of the, the pop bands that we talked about earlier. And these were his drinking buddies, and the story goes, I mean, they had kind of a club, and they would drink and, and record music. And one kind of gross but also just sort of funny story, knowing the freezing Midwest is... I think there was no bathroom in his garage where they used to hang out and, and just drink, you know, bud, bud after bud and, and play these songs. Um, but they had a bucket that they would pee, on, pee in and there was no heat. <laughs> and the bucket would freeze and his ex-wife used to, you know, get on him for these urine lumps of ice that would be out <laughs> in the snow in the backyard. <laughs> Which is both way, gross urine, and hilarious. And also the name of their next album, Urine, urine Lumps. Exactly, yeah. Or at least probably a song track on one of the many. I 
daintily laid out like a fruitcake With a wet spot bigger than a great lake Took me to the new church and baptized me with salt She told me liquor But um, you know, the, this album started to gain a little notoriety, and, and you know, they, they ended up playing CMJ. Um, a great, you know, documentary. If, if any listeners are interested, if you can get it, I don't know if you can get it streaming yet, but as, as watch me jumpstart that kind of documents this, this, these really early years with this classic lineup. And they're talking about, you know, sort of just being like, uh, like, really, you want to hear us play? And, and driving to New York City, playing a show, literally, I think, a 25-minute show, which makes sense if you know how long their songs which are. Which is also 37 uh, or maybe 57 songs by GBV. <laughs> exactly. And, and, uh, and, you know, having kind of the rock critic world go nuts. And, and I think that kind of brings us a little bit to what was going on in 1994 that made this... Because it's funny, you know, we, we, we didn't purposely necessarily leave Christian off this pod, but we know that GBV is a bit of a, a mystery to him, or it's our love of yeah. GBV, yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do, I mean, A, they're great, so, you know, they're a great band. But Which B, is, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, that's just not, not debatable, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the other part is when they came out. I mean, we're talking about sort of like... You know, I guess grunge is, is broken and big into the mainstream radio world. You've got sort of the college rock music being kind of bloated with art punk. Um, probably Kurt Cobain's even, just killed himself. Right, just killed himself. You have bands, you know, kind of stalwarts like Sonic Youth and and, and uh, Dinosaur Jr. going on major labels and, and kind of trying to become more commercial. So this was really refreshing at the time as well. And, and you know, I think certainly folks of, of my age and, and Wynn's age, um, you know, I know Andy Greenwald on the Ringer pod talks about going to college and having two favorite things, Guided by Voices and Biggie Smalls. And it wasn't unfamiliar that this the, these two albums that we're going to talk about today just really hit our sort of age group hard. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you the first, you know, the first live experience I had with GBV, which, you know, had me, you know, thrilled and laughing at the same time I, I took Polly my wife to uh, see Urge Overkill and Guided by Voices opened uh, this was 1994 at the Academy in New York and it was like five guys who really did look like you know elementary school teachers <laughs> they, they looked like this te- you know they looked like the smoking lounge uh, for teachers at, an, at a school and you know uh, they had a, a cooler full of uh Bud Light on stage, or Bud or Bud Light on stage, I think, and um, that was it. You know, you've got this guy up front who's pretty tall and athletic doing, like, Roger Daltrey microphone <laughs> spins and leg kicks, and, you know, these guys are windmilling, and they're, like, it looks like rock and roll fantasy camp, and it, but the output was so great, and it, was so, it stood in such contrast to Urge Overkill, who at the time were really trying to make it big, but also... St- you know, keep their sort of shroud of irony um, alive. And I actually, you know, I like to urge, but, uh, 
you know, they all had, you know, they had matching outfits and there was a stage show and it was very, you know, sort of, it, the, their irony was very serious, whereas TBV was like absolutely showing every ounce of effort because they wanted to be, they wanted to be rock stars in 1966 as opposed to rock stars in 1994. So it was, you know, it was a really funny thing. But then the other, the thing that made me really fall in love with this record, and this is a very personal aside, but, you know, Jer had turned me on to B-1000. Alien Lanes came out and bought it. And it was actually, we were driving to my bachelor party in Montreal in, I think, 1990, early winter 1995, like January Yeah, it was, I just started college, I remember. Yeah, and so I went and picked Jeremy up at St. Lawrence in uh, upstate New York, and we were driving to Montreal. And I flipped on Alien Lanes because I knew I had a long drive, and I knew I kind of wanted to acclimate to the record. And I never turned it back off for six hours. I just listened to it over and over and over again. And that was the beginning of, of my obsession uh, yeah, well, guys, really. I was going to actually mention something, and, and then I think let's take a break and let's jump into to Alien Lanes and, and sort of Guided by Voices taking over the indie rock world. But, but uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention was I, I think B-1000 and Alien Lanes in particular really, really benefited from not coming out in the digital age, you know, where these were records that, A, you could listen to them because they were damn short, and so were all the songs. But, and, you know, I love these guys enough that I can very much sort of, uh, you know, pick my favorites and throw them on a mix and things like that. But it really was an experience to go start to finish with these albums, because even if you didn't like something that much, it was only 48 seconds long, and you're going to jump right into the next song. It was almost like a, you know, a teenage collage of, of great sort of pop music and, and, uh, and sort of a quilt of, of, you know, kind of indie lo-fi rock. And, and so... I don't know that I would have had the same experience had I not, you know, kind of put that on my disc man and, and just listened to it. And, and it was over before I knew it, and I wanted to hear it again. Now, curating this, these albums is, is pointless. I mean, you don't want to take the best nuggets and put them all together because it's, it, you know, it's, it's too much sugar. Um, you need some of the, uh, the quote-unquote, you know, filler tracks or the, you know, the, the pace changes in order to earn... Uh, your nuggets of, of uh, pure uh, bliss. Um, and that's as you know, philosophical as I'm going to get today. So you want to take a quick break and come back? Sounds good.
All right, welcome back to the Brother Brother Pod. Today it's uh, Wyndham and I, Jeremy Sartori, and, and we're talking uh, one of our favorite groups, Guided by Voices, sort of post uh, Robert Pollard of GBV releasing his 101 <laughs> 1th <laughs> record or release. Another title recording. I think he just, he just and, is uh, going to uh, co opt. Yeah, and so we decided to kind of talk about two albums that really kind of, you know, have stayed with us throughout the years and, and kind of were, were very important to our um, music obsession and, and kind of indie indie rock in the in the early and mid-90s. And But, you know, our two are of our favorite albums today. So we chatted a bit on B-1000 in the first segment, and we're going to talk about Alien Lanes and, and just kind of the, the live experience of Guided by Voices in this segment here. So when yeah. I know Alien Lanes is one that you've mentioned towards the end of, of you know, and I remember that trip to Montreal with you and, <laughs> and listening to it frequently. Let's talk uh, Alien Lanes. Yeah, no, I love Alien Lanes. It's, um, you know, it's it's sort of a, um, you know, it, it's, I, you know, I'd venture to say, I mean, and, and again, this is uh, um, my uh, assertion that we should not, com- you know, do a battle of the bands with this one, uh, with these two albums, because um, as my good friend Liz Brixius once said, um, as we sat in the Five Guys in Manhattan, you know, I said, do you like Five Guys or, or In-N-Out better? And she goes... I don't know why everybody's always pitting them against each other. They're both really fucking good. Um, so, you know, for me, Alien Lanes uh, was, a, I guess it was more of the album that I, I cottoned to just for no better reason than it was in my car at the time. You know what I mean? It, was, it really wasn't a conscious decision. It wasn't a merit-based thing. But I got so, you get, uh, when you listen to these records, and you do, as you said before, you listen to them all the way through always, um, it, you get the the sort of rhythms and, and it's a, the the whole sequencing is itself a kind of uh, of a piece. You know what I mean? It, it feels like one single composition that has a, a million different uh, movements in it. But um, you know, there there's some really peak great songs on this. I mean, you've got Motor Away, The Closer You Are, uh, Game of Pricks, uh, you know, Blimsco Ninety. I could you know sit here and name off. Valuable uh, hunting knife. Just my valuable hunting knife. Any any of the twenty eight um, songs that clock in at forty one minutes, um, but it really uh, it's you know it's a start to finish kind of experience, and I've never really wanted to break it up more than that. Um, that said, uh, you know uh, uh, the the live experience, and believe me, uh, I started saying I started seeing uh, GBV in ninety four. I still haven't finished seeing GBV, but I will say that, you know, back when I first started seeing them, I mean, the, those concerts were um, an event. They were really it was funny. an endurance a, test. <laughs> yeah, but it was also the, the camaraderie there. There was something about your membership in this particular organization that, that you know, sort of, I don't know, it's, it's a clo- one of the closest things in, in indie rock I've found to, to have a secret handshake. If you're a Guided by Voices fan, it's sort of, you know, it's a subculture within a subculture within a subculture, and um, it's you know extremely collegial and fun, and everybody's your drinking buddy.
Yeah, I was going to say, I think, too, you know, especially in 94, 95, it was a great way to kind of meet people because you, you certainly met or I met a lot of friends via having similar music taste, right? So we were working together and or something and somebody would pop on a tape. And, oh, you like Guided by Voices or, you know, or you would see people at the shows. Um, and it was kind of like you said, sort of like a, a club of, of kind of, you know, sort of misfit music fans. Yeah. But the difference between GBV and, and there was a lot of bands that fall into that category. I mean, especially then when, when things were a little more segmented into groups. But um, the other piece was it was an event. It was sort of like the joy of rock and roll in a show they brought to the stage. Um, unlike a lot of indie rock or sort of alternative rock at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was very self-serious and, and very kind of self-aware. And, um, and you know, I think some people were turned off by their sort of uh, blatant, you know, jump kicks and, and kind of were, you know, I love they had one live uh, DVD bootleg called The Who Went Home and Cried, you know. <laughs> it was just like there was sort of an arrogance and a swagger to these guys because they were older and they'd been, you know, kind of this was their dream come true. Um, but it was a fun arrogance. And, you know, I think the nice thing, or the thing about Alien Lanes was, uh, you know, they, they'd garnered some buzz off B-1000, so the, the sort of critics were paying attention, and they actually got on Matador off of Scat Records for B-1000 in 95, and they delivered. You know, it was like, it's, you know, one of those times where, you know, the minute you put on that album and it starts with a salty salute, which ends with the bar is open. Um, the, club is open off, yeah. the club is open, sorry, which is, it always is, you know, at a GBV show. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of like, oh, cool, this is going to be great too. And it was, you know, and it kind of just went from there and every song was amazing. So then going to see them live, you know, I mean, they would pack like 100 songs into a show and you would, you know, be, you know, obviously pretty inebriated. It was a, a big drinking show. It was a, com- it's a communal experience. Yeah, is, and singing at the top of your lungs. No, it yeah. was sort of like the recent experience where I think we both had at LCD Sound System at separate shows where everybody was there for because they love the band. They're just happy to hear music they love and, and are really happy with all those around them. I, I have a, one funny story. I remember seeing, I was living in Austin, Texas at the time, and I'm, I've also, you know, started seeing GBV a little after you because I was high, in high school when they, I first got caught on to them. But uh, certainly as soon as I could, I started going to like 95, 96 and on. We actually went to a show last year um, and uh, together. And so there was a place, Mercury in, in Austin, and actually Black Rebel Motorcycle Club was, was opening at the time. So the GBV also, we can note, sort of gained kind of an elder statesman position um, post-Alien Lanes and from the uh, subsequent albums where, A, they were trying to sort of break into the mainstream more, but also up-and-coming bands really sort of fell in love with them. So, I mean, bands like Spoon and Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and Strokes, um, Strokes you know, they, they really, in, because they're, A, a great band, and B, you know, kind of, I think, carried that swagger of rock starness on stage and, and sort of, hey, we're going to come out. Robert Pollard has a great quote where he says, you know, like, the party is the show. <laughs> like, I don't even drink after the show. It's like, the, the party is the show, and, and it really was. But I remember just sort of being sweaty arm in arm with two gentlemen at the show, you know, singing um, Gold Top or Gold Star Mountain Top or whatever the hell it is, Queen Directory at the top of my lungs and looking over and being like, why do I know this guy? And everyone's like, oh, he's the video store clerk at the, you know, art house video <laughs> store I go to. How's it going, man? You know, and, and sort of striking up conversations with him every time I saw him post that. And it was just that kind of, uh, you know, kind of show always. I mean, I've, I've seen them in Chicago. I've seen them in Austin. I've seen them in New York. Um, you know, I, I love the story of when they were sort of going on hiatus 
the sort of marathon shows they did at the Metro where they actually had a bar on stage and different members would come out and bartend <laughs> and, and play during different segments of the show, which is, uh, you know, just kind of like if you're going to do a rock band, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know if it was an original quote, but I mean, the one that you always used to quote back to me was uh, Robert Pollard's, um, I'm a... I'm a drunk. Alcoholics go to meetings. Yeah, that was a Robert Mueller quote. It may not, might be paraphrased, but... Yeah, that's sort of the spirit of the thing. And, you know, I mean, if that is, you know, I can understand that it, it's sort of, you know, it, it, it sort of, you know, airs a little bit on the, you know, male-centric, you know, middle-aged guy thing now, because uh, that's, you know, who their fan base is. But it's, it's also a nice, you know, it is funny. I mean, there, there are shows that, like, I wouldn't hesitate to go by myself because I know... I mean, I could name you the people that are, I'm going to see there tonight. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very predictable uh, and, and recurring group of, of people that you're going to see at a GBV show. And it's also a band that, you know, I think, and we can talk about sort of where they stand today. I mean, all right, we already sort of, uh, you know, mentioned how many recordings this guy's put out. Um, you know, Wyndham and I, would neither of us will, will lie and say that we've necessarily kept up with every... GBV recording, if even, you know, a quarter of them, but I can honestly say, and I did pop on, you know, um, how do you spell heaven last night when I was doing some late night work and it's damn good, you know, and, and they're really consistent. Um, I think that's one of the reasons too, that they never quite broke out of sort of the, the mid level. They hit sort of the peak of, of, let's say indie stardom and kind of, you know, statesman in the indie world, but probably not for everybody. Um, and they also came, you know, this is a time where the record industry was changing dramatically. And they just weren't, they didn't sound like GBV when they really tried to clean things up. I think they're best when they do it their way. Yeah, um, they, they, Rick Ocasek they, produced an album, yeah. Do the Collapse, that, you know, was it's their got big some push. great songs. Yeah, but it's, it's um, I believe that it was on TVT, right. wasn't it? Uh, it was, TVT. It was their major label. And, you know, you've got songs like Teenage FBI. Um, great song. Yeah, is, is Glad Girls on that one? Or is that no, on that's one? on... Um, uh, Isolation Drills. Isolation Drills. Right, which was another time. album trying to get, you know, kind of more produced and, and, and larger. But you hear both those songs live and you're jumping up and down immediately spilling your, your uh, you know, vodka tonic or beer, you know, all over the guy next to you and he's... Smiling back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they're a band that... That can, I mean, the starter kit for this band, we're, we're giving it to you right now. It's like, go and listen if you haven't, you know, dived in. And, and, you know, I would not cherry pick these guys. I would just listen to B-1000 and Alien Lanes all the way through. For those of you that already, you know, love this band as much as we do, I, you know, I think we can all agree that 
you know, this is a band that, that does one thing really well, and, uh, and they've continued to do it. Have, has the output maybe hurt them a little bit for people like us maybe not being able to keep up with the pace? Yeah. But, I mean, I would say if they were playing tomorrow night in Cambridge, when and I would be there. Yeah. And I also can guarantee you, much like uh, a number of my favorite bands like Dino and X, who are still touring, um, they know what their best stuff is. You're going to yeah. hear it. It's not as if, you know... They come out and they're like, well, here's, here's 12 songs from our... I mean, not that that would last very long, but they don't, they don't want to sell their new album to you. They want you to have a great time listening to the stuff that they, they, they know that you love. And like any GBV record, if you or the live show goes the same way. If you don't love the song, it's good, you know chances are it'll be under a minute or at least a minute thirteen. So um, you're all good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I think uh, this this is fun talking about these guys. I think it's a band that band that came out at a time that you know, Wyndham and Christian just did a recent interview with. Um, Weatherall, uh, the, Andy, the, Weatherall. Andy Weatherall, the you know famous DJ, and he had a great line in your interview when where he talked about, you know, when music gets too bloated, you know, it, it always gets sort of stripped down to its bare essence. And, and he was actually talking about DJ culture and dance music, and I think GBV really was that. It was like a shot in the arm of, of indie rock and sort of college rock where things had just gotten out of control. Big, you know, REM had put out Out of Time and had become this huge massive band. Nirvana, Kurt Cobain had died, you know, you had sort of the, the emergence of alternative rock radio, and, you know, indie rock, in college rock, sort of the, the left of the dial stuff was just way too self-serious at the time, and, and these guys, you know, passionately brought back sort of melody, pop, and, and, and a real desire to be, you know, to rock, you know, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is a lot of fun, and they always had cold beer on stage, and you were usually welcome to grab one. Yeah, I can't think of a better... A, a better scenario. Anyway, you want to take a quick break and we'll come back and, and wrap this up? Yeah, let's do it. When you motor away 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori, and we're going to end this pod the way we end every pod, and that is, uh, Jerry, what are you listening to? So, yeah, I'm listening to a, an album that actually came out last year that, that made our list, or of, uh, I think it made our short list, actually, of best albums of the year, but it's uh, Cardinal by Pine Grove. Um, as any pod listener knows, I, I spent a lot of my youth in New Jersey, so I'm always, uh, any band that's from New Jersey, I, I kind of... Uh, I'm drawn towards and, and I, I like this album on, on first listen the song Old Friends certainly got a lot of play but uh, recently just kind of threw it on I've been on a kick where I've been trying to listen to albums start to finish and uh, you know it's got a lot there it's, it reminds me a lot of, of some of the best built to spill stuff cymbals e guitars um, in kind of like you know a quirky interesting way so it's an album I'm, I'm glad I went back to I think in this day and age I, I tend to like something and, and then not return to it as much as I should and uh, I've been listening to that a lot in the last couple of weeks well um, and I'm going to pull a little bit of a cheat but it is on television so I guess I'm not cheating that much but I uh, this is the time of year when I, I start getting back into baseball and uh, I've been watching a ton of uh, Red Sox games of late and I'm enjoying um, this team and the pennant race and uh, unapologetically, but in in honor of um, the prowess of uh, the Pollard brothers, I, f- I don't feel so bad about talking sports on a music podcast right now. So that's what I've been watching, um, and I'm looking very much looking forward to moving into a house soon um, after seven months of homelessness. So um, and then you want uh, you want to put a song on the um, 47 trillion uh, 10 best songs of all time? 47.8 trillion, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I know where I'm going with this one, but if you want to go first, go for it. I'm going to, you know, really uh, go off off uh, script and, and throw a Guided by Voices song on here. Whoa! And uh, <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to go with Game of Pricks, and I'm going to specify that it's the Game of Pricks that's on Alien Lanes and not the one that was, uh, you know, sort of re- refurbished for uh, their greatest <laughs> hits package. So um, please uh, um, make sure that it's the uh, Game of Pricks, Alien Lanes version. Since I, since I man the playlist, I will absolutely make sure of that. And uh, I'm going to go also, I'm going to go kind of uh, left field here with a B-1000 track, believe it or not. Ooh. And um, I'm going to go with one of my faves, and it's uh, Tractor Rape Chain, Guided by Voices. Yeah. uh, One one of their longer songs, by the way, so hang in there, folks. It's sort of like, uh, I believe sometimes Guided by Voices has longer song titles than they do songs, but um, anyway, that is, uh, yeah, that is almost an extended play, 12-inch for, in Guided by Voices land. So anyway, um, great talking GBV with you. Yeah, it was fun. And um, let's catch up soon. Talk to you. Sounds good. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.